please turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter. We will be reading the first 11 verses, looking primarily at the first six. The word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, We come to you, the Lord of life, and we ask that you would turn our hearts to the great truth found in this passage, that you would turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus, the true vine, and that we would truly abide in him by the power of your Holy Spirit, because we know that he already abides in us. Lord, please bless the exposition of your word this evening. Amen. This evening, we come to one of the great passages of Scripture that addresses our union and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the Lord was teaching in his farewell discourse in which he would give his disciples final instructions and final comfort before he went to the cross He had just finished speaking to them of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who would be Christ's presence with them always. And now he turns to explain how they are to continue in communion with him, using the metaphor of the vine and the branches. It is the purpose of this text to teach God's people that Christ abides in them. And as he abides in them, they are to abide in him. And that is to seek fellowship and, to, and communion with Christ. And by abiding, to bear fruit in Him. The Lord begins in verse 1 saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And this is the first great point of this text that we see in verses 1 through 3. Jesus is the vine. Those who are in Him receive life. Life abundant. Those who are in him are cleansed by the Father through his word 
and given growth in grace. And those who are not truly in him are taken away. The first thing that we see here is that the Lord Jesus states that he is the vine. The Lord Jesus uses a metaphor to convey the way in which he gives life to his people. And this metaphor is apt because just as a vine gives life to those branches that are in it, so also does Christ give life unto his people, unto those who are in union with him. And what this means is that he is the source of life and of salvation for all who are united to him. We read in John chapter 1, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All who are in him receive eternal life and communion with God. But all who are not in him wither and die. As we read in John 3, verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. He is the source of salvation for all who are in him. And the Lord used the metaphor of a vine to convey this fact. Life comes through Christ and through Christ alone. As he he said in chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But there is another reason why the Lord uses a metaphor of a vine. We see throughout the Old Testament that the vine was a common metaphor for Israel. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. There we read, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hoed out a vine, wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And we also see in Jeremiah 2, verse 21, the Lord says to Israel, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy a pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Throughout the Old Testament, the vine was used as a metaphor for Israel. But Israel failed repeatedly as a vine. God made her to be fruitful, but repeatedly she was a wild vine, producing nothing but wild grapes and thorns and thistles. And this is the reason why the Lord Jesus uses the phrase, the true vine, because he is the true vine. And he will not disappoint as Israel did. He will not fail to bring forth fruit. Christ is the true vine who brings life and salvation to his people through his perfect obedience. Whereas Israel failed to obey the Lord, Christ obeyed him perfectly. 
And then the Lord Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser or the gardener or the one who tends the vine. The word here is that of a person who tends the garden or one who cares for plants. Jesus is using this metaphor to explain the way in which the father produces the most growth possible, the most fruit through the Lord Jesus. And thus we read in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. As the Lord Jesus is the vine, and the Father is the vine dresser, the Father removes all of the branches that do not produce fruit in Christ. But those who do produce fruit, he prunes or cleans so that they might be more fruitful. Continuing this metaphor, Christ notes that those who claim to be in in Him, who do not bear fruit, who do not bear that fruit of the Spirit, are removed by God the Father. But those who are truly in Him, those who truly are united to Christ, who bear fruit according to His Word, are those who are cleansed and pruned by the Father so that they might be more fruitful to the glory of God. Now the Lord first states here that every branch in Him that does not bear fruit is taken away by the Father. And what this means is that every person who claims to be in Christ, who does not bear fruit, the spiritual fruit of holiness, is taken away by the Father. All those who claim to be belong to Christ. All those who claim to be in Him but do not bear fruit are removed. The Lord uses the phrase, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And we see this metaphor explained more clearly in verses 5 and 6 where He explicitly states that He is the vine and we are the branches. If we bear fruit in faithfulness, we will be cleansed and pruned to bear more fruit for Him. But if we bear no fruit, then we are removed as false branches. So what does it mean to bear fruit? What does it mean to be fruitful? This metaphor of fruit represents the good works of the saints and is found throughout the New Testament. Please turn with me to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. There we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in Ephesians 5, verses 8 and 9, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. By fruit, our Lord Jesus means all those graces that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. All those good things that He produces in us. He produces love. He produces joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of these things He works in our hearts producing the fruit of good works. And it is important to note that the Lord is not saying here 
that these good works are things that we do to be saved. We do not do good works to be saved. We are not saved by our works, nor do we stay saved by our works. As our Lord has already stated in John 10, salvation is a free gift from God, from His hand alone, and we are safe in His hands. Jesus said, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Salvation is a gift of Christ, and we are safe in Him. Rather, good works that are done are the result of our salvation. They are the fruit of our union with Christ. If we are united to the Lord Jesus, we cannot but produce good works. We cannot but produce fruit. These things reveal that we have already been saved, that we have been united to a Savior, that we have already truly received salvation in Christ. Good works reveal that we belong to Christ. And when the Lord says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father removes. What he is saying is that there are those who claim association with him who are not truly saved, who are not truly believers. They may be a part of the church. They may be born and raised in the church, but they are not truly united to Christ and they have no true connection to him. Just as a branch may appear to be connected to a vine, but upon closer inspection has no connection with it, and does not bear its fruit, so also do these individuals appear to have an interest in Christ, but in reality are not united to him by faith. And this fact is revealed by their works. It is revealed by their fruit. And the Lord Jesus makes the same point in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 21. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The point here is that those who are truly united to the Lord Jesus will bear much fruit and prove to be his disciples. But those who have never been united to Christ those who have never truly put their faith in Him, those who have never truly become one with Him, will not bear fruit, and their deeds will ultimately bear them out. They will be revealed to be those who were never Christians. And the Father will remove these because they were never truly united to Christ, the vine, in the first place. But those who are truly saved will bear fruit. He says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And notice the contrast here. 
The branches that do not bear fruit are removed entirely. But the branches that do bear fruit are cleansed, are pruned, that they might become stronger and bear a greater fruitfulness for their master. They will be branches that bear fruit even from the beginning. The Lord continues this metaphor of branches to reveal the way in which true believers in Christ grow and mature in the Lord. The point that he is making is that Christians will grow. They will mature. They will become more like Christ. And those who are truly united to Christ will be characterized by such things as the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness. And the Lord notes that those who are true branches, who produce this fruit, the Father prunes so that they will produce more fruit. Now the word here translated as prunes literally means cleans. And just as a vine dresser would remove dead parts of branches so that the branch would become stronger, and so that the strength of the vine would produce greater fruit in that branch, so also does the Father cleanse us and remove those things in our lives that are detrimental and which keep us from producing the fruit of the Spirit. And at times, this involves discipline. As the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 12, verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The purpose of the Father's cleansing and pruning action is to make us more like Christ and to make us more fit vessels to glorify Him. And then the Lord says in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The Lord Jesus states that His disciples are clean because of the word that He has spoken unto them. And it's very interesting because the word for clean here is very nearly the same as the word for prunes in verse 2. And Jesus is saying that the way in which the Father cleans His people is through the word of Christ. The word of the Lord cleanses those who receive it. Those who hear the word and receive it and trust the Lord who spoke it are those who are made clean by it and purified. It is the word which is heard and received that purifies the believer. Please turn with me to the interpretation of the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Here the Lord gives us a very vivid picture of the Lord sowing His Word among the people. Verse 14, The sower sows the Word, and these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Those who receive Christ's word are those who bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. It is the word of God which brings cleansing and fruitfulness. And it is this by which our Lord Jesus cleanses his church. As we read in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ's word cleanses his people. Christ's word purifies his people. Through his word we have life, and we are led in the way of righteousness. Those who receive his word are made able to bear much fruit. And then the Lord says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this is the second great point of this text in verses 4 through 6. Christ abides in believers and calls them to abide in Him. We are to abide in Christ, for apart from Him, we can do nothing. Those who do not abide in Him face eternal punishment. We are to abide in Christ, to remain in Him, and to look to Him for all of our strength, our life, and our hope. First of all, He says, Abide in me, and I in you. What does it mean to abide in Christ? To abide means to remain, to stay, to dwell. And in this, Christ exhorts his people to abide in him, to remain in him, and to look to him for their sustenance and support. To abide in Christ means to pursue fellowship and communion with him. We are exhorted to remain in Christ, to abide in Him, and to look to Him as our Lord and Savior, as the captain of our salvation for all of our needs in this daily life. We are exhorted to pursue greater communion with Christ and greater fellowship with Him. And the Lord gives us a picture of this in His description of Himself as the bread of life in John chapter 6. Verses 56 through 58, we read, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. We abide in Christ by pursuing communion with Him, by abiding in His Word, by being faithful in prayer, 
and by availing ourselves of those means of grace that point to him. But this abiding is not something that we do of ourselves, for he abides in us. He says, I in you. The Lord Jesus is speaking to those who are in union with him. He is speaking to those who are indwelt by his Holy Spirit. We abide in him because he first has abided in us. He has first chosen to dwell in us and unite us to himself. And for that reason, we are made capable of pursuing communion with him. So what he says here, he says not as a command to do of our own power, but as an exhortation to those in whom he already abides as our Lord. Just as he commands in Philippians 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are able to abide in him because he first abides in us. We are united to him. And for this reason, he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What he is saying here is that we cannot bear fruit of our own power. We cannot do any good in our own strength. We cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit apart from Christ. We have strength to bear fruit only as we abide in the vine, the Lord Jesus. And thus the strength of our life, the vitality of the Christian faith, flows from our union with Christ. And this is what he makes abundantly clear in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Christ is the vine and we are the branches. We are united with him. We are in union with him. Christ is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ. Just as the branches are united to the vine and receive all vitality, all power, all strength from it, so also are we united to Christ and receive all power for our lives in Him. For apart from Him, we can do nothing. He first states here that He is the vine and we are the branches. The great truth here is that this picture points us to the reality that we are one with him. The vine and the branches are one, and the branches receive their life from the vine. And thus, whoever abides in him bears much fruit. And then he adds the vital point, for apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from the Lord. A branch separated from a vine will die. It cannot live on its own because the life-giving strength and sap that it needs is cut off. In the same way, we cannot do anything apart from Christ. We have no power of our own to do any good, 
no strength of our own, no life before God. The truth is that apart from Christ, we are those dead and withered branches. Indeed, we can bear no fruit, only evil before Him, apart from Him. And this is precisely what the Lord is saying here. No one can be saved apart from Christ. No one can be justified apart from Christ's righteousness. No one can be sanctified apart from the work of the Spirit of Christ in their life. No one can do any good thing before God apart from the cleansing work of regeneration. We can do no good before God apart from Christ. But in Christ, we do bear much fruit. As those who are one with Him, we possess the full abundance of the blessings of salvation. In Him, we are pronounced righteous with His righteousness and justified. We are regenerated by His Holy Spirit. We are made capable of good works in sanctification. In Him, our lives are renewed and we are made capable of bearing much fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. But of those who do not abide in Christ, he says in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Those who have not truly been united to Christ will not abide in him. They will not remain in Him. They will not dwell in Him. They will not continue in the Lord Jesus. Eventually, they will fall away. And those who do not abide in Him are removed by His Father, as He has said in verse 2. Just as a branch that has no connection to the vine will wither and die, so also those who have no connection to Christ will wither and die. And the Lord speaks to the ultimate fate of those who have no union with Him by stating that these are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Those who are not one with the Lord Jesus Christ, those who do not have faith in Him, wither because He is life. And apart from Him, there is only death. And without an interest in Christ... Without a true saving faith in Him, the only fate is eternal death and punishment for sins in hell. Jesus Christ paid the price for sins by dying on the cross for them. But only those who trust in Him, who are united to Him, receive that payment on their behalf. Only those who trust in Christ as their Savior will receive forgiveness for their sins. And this is why this imagery of the vine is so important. That life-giving strength that the vine provides to the branches is such a vivid picture of the life, of the salvation that is found in Christ alone. And the whole point of this text is that Christ indwells and abides with His people. Therefore, we are called to pursue communion with Him, to greater fellowship with Him, we are to abide with Him, even as He abides in us. We are to pursue fellowship with Him through the Word, through the sacraments, and through prayer. 
We are to seek the Lord Jesus Christ in order that we might grow in fruitfulness to the glory of our God. And for those of us who do trust in Him, we do have fellowship in Him. We do have communion with Him. Those who are believers in Christ have this great assurance delivered here in this passage. Abide in me and I in you. He says, I abide in you. And if you are a believer in Christ, you may be assured that Christ abides in you. And thus he calls you to pursue communion with him continually. And this is something that we as Christians see when we are away from our Lord, when we are away from his word, when we are away from communion with him, it feels like we are withering. But when we are in his word, we see the strength, that strength. We know that fruitfulness in our lives. When we are communing with him in prayer, we do see the power of his spirit in us. But if you are not a believer in Christ, you do not have Christ abiding in you. You are that branch that is withering. And your destiny is only to be gathered up and thrown into the fire. That is your future if you do not turn to Christ. If you do not abide in Him. If you do not trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. If you do not look to His cross where He died for sins. And trust in Him as your only way to the Father. As your only way to communion with God. Then the fires of hell are your only future. This is what awaits you. And so I say to you, come to Christ. Come to He who is the true vine. Come to He who is the source of life and of salvation. Come to the one who brings peace with God. Look to Christ. Look to his finished work on the cross where he died for sins. And trust in him alone for salvation. And to all this evening I say, look to Christ, the Savior, the life-giving vine, through whom we have fellowship with God and redemption from sins. Look to Christ and abide in him. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you once again for our great Lord and Savior and that great salvation that he has wrought for us. We pray that you would turn our hearts to him and that we might truly abide in him, even as he exhorted us to do, Lord. We pray that you would bless our evening and cleanse our hearts by the power of your your word this night. In Jesus' name, amen.